This is Reaganism, a podcast dedicated to exploring where the Reagan movement lives today. I'm Roger Zakheim, director of the Ronald Reagan Institute in Washington, D.C. On this episode of Reaganism, Reagan Institute Policy Director Rachel Hoff sits down with Sebastian Lai and Jonathan Price. Sebastian Lai is the son of Jimmy Lai, a renowned Hong Kong media entrepreneur, writer, and pro-democracy campaigner who founded Next Digital and Apple Daily, the popular independent Chinese language newspaper in Hong Kong, which was forcibly shut down in 2021. Jimmy Lai has been imprisoned in Hong Kong since December 2020 and now awaits trial this month. Sebastian is leading the international hashtag Free Jimmy Lai campaign to secure his father's release. Jonathan Price is a lawyer serving as international counsel for Jimmy and Sebastian Lai. Well, hello and welcome to Reaganism. I'm your guest host, Rachel Hoff, and I'm so pleased to introduce you all today to two people who are truly on the front lines of the struggle for freedom in today's world, Sebastian Lai and Jonathan Price. Sebastian is the son of Jimmy Lai, who's a successful businessman and media entrepreneur in Hong Kong. He emerged as a leader of the pro-democracy movement in Hong Kong, and as a result has been imprisoned as part of the Chinese Communist Party's crackdown under its national security law. Sebastian's been leading the campaign for his father's freedom, and Jonathan is a human rights lawyer who's part of Jimmy Lai's international legal team. Jonathan, Sebastian, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. Sebastian, I'd like to start with you. We'll get to the details of your father's case and his his imprisonment uh, later in the show. But to start, would you set the stage a bit for our listeners, many of whom have probably never been to Hong Kong? Um, what was life life like in Hong Kong um, prior to the Chinese Communist Party Party's latest crackdown? And what has it been like in more recent years? Um, Hong Kong was, uh, um, you know, Hong Kong used to be wonderful. It was, it was one of the, um, it was one of the examples of, uh, of, a, of a free, uh, you know, as a special administrative region. Before that, it was, it was a British colony, but it was one of the free uh, cities in Asia that, that that was really held up as this example of, of of of, of Han, well, of Chinese people having these freedoms and then building this metropolis. A lot of the people, uh, like my father, were for refugees from China. Um, I, I I have these uh, very lovely memories of when I was younger. Um, uh, in during June fourth, uh, um, we go to Victoria Park to commemorate the Tiananmen Square massacre, and um, we we we'd all hold out a candle uh, for all of the students that were rolled over by tanks, shot, killed in in, in Beijing, in Tiananmen Square, uh, and uh, they, they'd have the song that I, I still that still sometimes plays in my mind, mm-hmm. and it was called Ziaofa, uh, which means freedom flower, and, and, and the, the line goes so you know just. It, it sort of goes, uh, no matter how much it rains, the 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 the, the flower of freedom will bloom one day. Um, which is why I tell that story is because um, last year they 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 then allow uh, the uh, Tiananmen Square uh, uh, memorial to happen in Hong Kong. Hong Kong used to be the only uh, city in, in in China where that was allowed. Um, so I hope that gives a good perspective of 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 the change. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Jonathan, the the legal mechanism that the CCP has used to execute the, the crackdown on freedom and democracy in Hong Kong is this national security law. Explain a bit, if you would, about sort of the, the legal context under which this is happening. 
Uh, yes, Rachel. So the national security law is uh, a, a new set of legislative provisions introduced in uh, June 2020 to Hong Kong. Um, but to understand it, one has to go back to the, the moment when Hong Kong ceased to be British in 1997 and was handed back at the expiry of its lease um, to China. And at that handover, uh, a settlement had been negotiated between the British and the Chinese, by which the Chinese promised to uphold certain basic freedoms that Hong Kong had enjoyed whilst under British rule um, for 50 years. Uh, it was the so-called one country, two systems doctrine. And by that doctrine, whilst Hong Kong would be Chinese, it would have its own legal system and uh, a very high degree of autonomy in relation to that legal system and uh, the government of its own internal domestic affairs. The one country, two systems doctrine uh, introduced something called the basic law to Hong Kong. Uh, and as, as I've said, within the basic law were guaranteed basic freedoms like the freedom of uh, expression, the freedom of peaceful assembly, and some very limited democratic reforms, um, not, not pure democracy by any stretch, but something which it was hoped would head in that direction during that 50-year period. And th these um, freedoms uh, existed until relatively recently. So bearing in mind that the handover was 1997, the, they were supposed to last until 2047. And unfortunately, what happened was that in 2014, some um, further legislative changes were suggested in Hong Kong, which would um, erode some of the freedoms that had already that had, that had been protected by the Basic Law. Uh, in particular, uh, a, a law was proposed by which Hong Kongers could be extradited to the Chinese mainland if they were caught up in in criminal proceedings. And uh, there were huge protests, and, and viewers and listeners may well remember that um, Hong Kong went through one of two recent periods of uh, civil protest where millions of people took to the streets to protest against the encroachment of Beijing ahead of the 50-year deadline. Fast forward only a few years to 2019 and more protests erupted um, and it became clear then that China wasn't going to put up with the way that the Hong Kong authorities were managing their own affairs. And, and within a year of that, uh, the NSO, the National Security Law, was implemented, as I said, on the 30th of June, 2020. And it was implemented uh, in order to crack down on the peaceful protests that had been going on, because these were becoming embarrassing and threatening to the Chinese. And if there's any doubt about that, the day after the implementation of the uh, NSL on the 30th of June, so on the 1st of July 2020, the first arrests were made under the NSL within 24 hours of it coming into effect. Ten people were arrested, and all of those that were arrested were arrested because of their participation in the peaceful protests a year earlier. So you've got the lawyers amongst, um, amongst us know that to ret retroactively apply a law 
uh, already offends basic principles of the rule of law. Laws should be forward-looking, not backward-looking. But here we had a law being applied to conduct that had already taken place. So there's an immediate egregious failure on that front. The NSN itself is, is, a, is a law which criminalizes a huge range uh, of otherwise perfectly lawful activity. So uh, anything from protesting in favor of democracy to um, questioning the legitimacy of the Hong Kong government becomes a, becomes a criminal offence under the NSL. And it's drafted so broadly, it's impossible to tell whether your conduct might be criminalised or not. It's the classic dictator's uh, sort of authoritarian playbook of imposing ostensibly security laws that are so broad they can be applied to anybody, including your political opponents. And that's what we've seen happen in Hong Kong. Well, and it's so powerful to hear that that same tragic story um, from each of you, from what life was like before to what life is like now, and then and then Jonathan from from the perspective of of those those changes uh, in law over time that that have led to to what we're seeing today. Um, let's talk a bit about Jimmy Lai. Sebastian, introduce us to your father. How did he grow up? How did he make his name and, and his uh, his success in business? So um, <clears throat> my father's been in jail for uh, almost three years now. Uh, three years now. Uh, at 75, he's uh, um, awaiting his uh, national security law trial that they keep delaying. Uh, but actually, you know, it's, it's, it's very morbid. But my, my father's story is actually a very beautiful story. Uh, my father was born in um, China, um, sort of the around the 1940s, 48, 49. Um, uh, he, he doesn't know because the thing is, back in those days, you, you, you weren't you weren't marked as a person when you were born. It was it was chaos. Uh, that was a very important time in Chinese history. It was a very very yes, as a, a very very important, very bad time in Chinese history. Uh, and uh, um, he decided to um, escape to to Hong Kong um, when he was thirteen. And um, Hong Kong twelve or thirteen, but Hong Kong was essentially a British colony. And when he he arrived, that was the first time he was he was marked as a person, mm -hmm. um, that he was recognised uh, by a government as a person, uh, and the, the the first day he 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 started working at a glove factory uh, because he had to pay for the 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 the, the crossing fee essentially, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he he the thing is the, what I found find wonderful is obviously these times were from what I hear incredibly tough. But, but Dan has very fond, fond memories of it. He he tells me that the next morning uh, after he landed, the, the the person running the factory gave him a bit of money, knowing that he was you know very young mm -hmm. and and and, and uh, didn't have anybody in in the world in in, in Hong Kong. Uh, and uh, he was going to, he went to breakfast and he started crying because he was it was like this was the first time he saw so much food. So so even though he has a, a lot of these reminders of that time he has in this factory, one of his years he can't really hear out of the finger got caught in a machine, so you know parts of it is gone. He's still in, he, 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 he's how he describes it is like he was he was like he was in in heaven. Mm -hmm. um, he then went on to uh, he then on to went on to uh, manage a factory at, at a very young age, which which gave him the opportunity to go. Uh, to, to America, uh, where he learned of the works of uh, Frederick Hayek, mm -hmm. um, and uh, he, he he's a he's a profuse reader, so he read all of, of Frederick Hayek's books. 
he came out to Hong Kong, uh, started this uh, um, company called Rodano. Um, sorry, I skipped a part. He opened his own manufacturing plant and then decided to, 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 to go into this company called Giordano. And Giordano was, um, if you think about it, sort of as a precursor to Uniqlo. So not a lot of different types of clothing, but um, very good quality at a, at, a, at a very, very cheap price. Um, and and that, that took off. That was uh, um, a hugely successful brand, growing 30% a year, even after um, we had IPO'd. Um, and uh, that leads us to Tiananmen to Square, to, to, to 89, uh, when the uh, democratic protests were breaking out across uh, China, because it wasn't just in Tiananmen Square, it was across China. Um, my father was incredibly hopeful, right? Because he thought with with these freedoms that that, that he had and, 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 and that he, were these freedoms that allowed him to 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 grow into who he was to 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 to, to do what he wanted to do in, in in business. If those freedoms went to China, then a lot of other people would bloom. Um, turns out that wasn't the case. Turns out Tiananmen Square massacre happened, uh, and for him it was a uh, um, it was a huge huge hit. It was it, it was it was um, you know I think he saw himself in in in, in I guess a lot of people would say, right? These were students who just love freedom and got rolled over by tax. Um, so, so he decided to start um, Next Magazine, Next Magazine, and, and then uh, and then Apple Daily. Um, and the premise of it was that these were magazines that were going to be wi- widely read instead of the traditional uh, academic uh, Chinese uh, of, of, the, of the literature of those days. He was going to use a colloquial Chinese, so anybody could pick it up and, and, and understand it. Um, and uh, they were going to be uh, pro-democracy. They were going to be honest um, and, and, and and print the truth and not be afraid of the powerful. Um, and uh, you know, it, it was it was very popular. Um, and they they you know Apple Daily started in ninety five and then uh, uh, you know ran for 25, 26 years, uh, and then the national security law. Uh, um, national security law uh, got passed um, and uh, you know everybody was telling dad that he should leave because they were you know one of the people that he was one of the people that they, they, they would go for first uh, you know as you could expect a pro-democracy in a newspaper it's not very well liked by, by the, the elites and the, and, and, the, and the government in Hong Kong um, and uh, you know tremendous respect for my father um, he decided to say you know, you don't choose where you're born, but you choose where you call the home, and um, you, 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 you just you defend it when someone someone comes for it. There's, you know, we talk in this country all the time about the American dream, and your father's story sounds like such a, a perfect example of that. Is there a concept of a, of a Hong Kong dream starting as the factory worker and then having your own manufacturing facility and successful business? I, I think that I think that really is. I mean, it's uh, you know, it's the free market, right? Right. I mean, a lot of people see these. Uh, well, Hong Kong government will tell you that these freedoms are, are Western values. They're not. They're values of the free world. Re- Reagan, President Reagan, mm-hmm. that they, were, they were values of the free world. It wasn't everybody. Every person deserves it. it doesn't matter where you were born. Um, so there, there definitely was that element of Hong Kong dream. Um, I, I think what makes my father's story so um, exceptional is that, uh, um, you know, a lot of people give currency to the term money isn't everything. Um, and um, th- there aren't a lot of occasions in the, uh, around the world 
where um, someone proves that that is the case. You know, someone is willingly is willing to to give up everything he has to stand up for his belief in the fundamental freedoms of of, of, of another person. Um, and it's incredible because I, I saw this video of him, uh, this interview of him for the BBC, uh, uh, dating back, I think, you know, before Hanover, so twenty-five years. Um, and when when he asks, you know, whether he leave after uh, uh, Hanover, he 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 tears up and says, "This is my home. Mm -hmm. You know, unless my life was in danger, I, I'm not I'm not leaving." So it's been career and it's been a a daily thing for for the past 25 right. 30 years i think what you describe is one of the the most amazing parts of your father's story which is that you know there are so few people who find so much success in business who would then stick their neck out there for some sort of cause right and and it certainly predated um the national security law and the pro-democracy uh protests even back to his even starting a pro-democracy newspaper in the wake wake of Tiananmen you, you you said you know he saw himself in the Tiananmen protesters well, what do you think it is inside of of somebody like that who's who's willing to you know give give up all of that um that he's rightfully earned and worked so hard for um for something like the cause of freedom i i think that um I, I, yeah, I think that, you know, that, that's actually a question I think about a lot. I think the case with my father is, because um, he sometimes he sometimes asked uh, before he's in prison by other people, he's like, you know, there's a lot of tycoons, are you, are you angry at them that you're the only one standing up? And he's like, he's not, you know, like a lot of these, they, they, obviously you have bad people, but a lot of these guys are, are you know, pretty good guys, like you'd, you'd be friends with them. It, it, it's just that China has a way of, of, of corrupting people. Mm -hmm. Right, they, they, it's like it's um, they, they give you a bit, and then they demand nothing, and they give you a bit more, and then they demand something, and then bit by bit, you you you're 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 there, you know, you have, they have you in their pockets. It's that idea of of, of 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 corrupting, and then one day you wake up and you you know you're you don't have the same views as you did, uh, um, you know, when you were thirty or when you were forty. Um, I think I think what makes that so special is that um, though he reads a lot. He, he 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 has a very he has a very independent sense of, of what is right and wrong and um i mean he has stood by that for, for for 30 years he knew that individual freedoms human rights was 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 the right thing he, he, he it's it's i guess it, it, another way to put it is that in these autocratic regimes it's it's very there's a huge cost to being an honest man, mm. especially when 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 you are in business, especially when you know there's there's people uh, harassing you. Um, you know, dad had had his shops, banana shops burnt and and, and whatnot. It's 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 the cost of being an honest man, and I think he just he never forgot that he he never forgot. And and, and for him, it's it's his own. You know, so it was a pretty you know I, I say it's obviously it was a very hard uh, uh, road, but it was a pretty it was a pretty easy uh, decision for him to keep walking down mm -hmm. this very hard road. Yeah. Jonathan, pick up Jimmy Lai's story from there. So he finds success in business. He founds um, what goes on to be a very prominent pro-democracy uh, newspaper and uh, and media company. 
how does he become sort of a, a, a real target of um, the Chinese Communist Party under the NSL or national security law? Excuse me. Well, um, as Sebastian uh, has, has said, what what he represented when he um, he abandoned his clothing industry businesses, which had you know really made him an extremely wealthy man, and looks set to just make him even wealthier over the sort of second part of his life, uh, in order to found um, a mouthpiece for. Uh, pro-democracy views, and not just pro-democracy views, but an independent organ which would reflect um, the views of, of Hong Kongers. Um, uh, not only that would entertain them, there's plenty of gossip in, in Apple Daily, um, plenty of, of political commentary and plenty of material challenging the government to do better with the lives of Hong Kongers. Um, and that's a very that's a very dangerous thing. You've got a guy who's shown that he is not um he's not beholden to his business interests. He's unshackled himself from those. And of course, I mean the, the, the newspaper did very well and he found, you know, he, he developed various other media projects and um was going, it was hugely su- successful in the digital space as well. Um that 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 really is just because he was is such a naturally good businessman um and so you know the, the, this was this represented something of uh, of an enormous threat to the the instinctively autocratic chinese who get very jumpy at the idea that people can print what they like um and that they can spread ideas that might be contrary to the single very narrow view they have of the world and how it should be governed um and it, it was it became a matter of some importance uh, to the Chinese and Hong Kong authorities, that they uh, get a, a handle on that, because I think they could see that if they didn't, um, the, the people might continue to demand change, uh, and that's the one thing they didn't they didn't want them to have. So, uh, with the passing of the national security law, and you'll remember, um, the first thing to say obviously is that um, Jimmy Lai, along with two million other Hong Kongers, I mean, a third of the population of the city, uh, took part in these uh, protests seeking uh, democratic changes and opposing the autocratic changes that were being imposed upon them in the mainland. Um, He took part in in vigils commemorating Tiananmen Square, which became controversial for the first time um, towards the end of the last decade. Um, And so the NSL was passed. I mean, not solely to target Jimmy Lai. As I said, it, it was to target the, the protests generally. Um, but because he'd been partaking in the protests, it uh, was obviously an opportunity uh, for the uh, authorities to deal with the Jimmy Lai problem and the Apple Daily problem. And as I said, the day after the implementation of the NSL, which coincidentally was the uh, the anniversary of um, Tiananmen Square. Uh, the, the, the 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 beginning of the Tiananmen Square protests, um, ten ten people were arrested, and uh, ten days later, Jimmy Lai himself was, was also arrested. He the the, the um, his office was raided, um, the, his office being the, the the headquarters of Apple Daily. He was marched out in handcuffs. Very public 
perp walk in order to um, in order to intimidate other protesters and pro democracy campaigners, uh, and that began that there began a string of legal problems that continue to this day. What we call this tactic by autocratic regimes, lawfare, every tool in the legal box is used against an individual like this in order to deplete their resources, destroy their business, um, to defame and slander them. And as, as, as we may come to, he's been convicted on totally trumped up fraud charges in one case in order to make it harder for people um, to support him. But that, that, that has failed. Um, and he has uh, was arrested on, on national security charges, um, and his office was raided. As I've as I've said, he was then prosecuted for four separate protest offences um, under the the old sedition laws. Um, he was prosecuted on this ridiculous fraud charge, which is basically nothing more than a contractual dis dispute. Which the um, which the government turned into a a major fraud case, um, all, all over a, a tiny the subletting of a tiny portion of Apple Daily's office, um, and for that he was sentenced to five years and nine months in prison. Uh, he's still in prison today, uh, awaiting trial in the national security law case against him, which um, centres around his perfectly lawful pro-democracy activity and they, they are trying to paint him as someone who was trying to overthrow uh, the Hong Kong government simply because he wished to change the government that was governing him and change it not not by revolution but by evolution through through perfectly democratic means and peaceful means he's, he's, a, he's a very peaceful man what what is extraordinary about Jimmy uh, 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 is that he, he I think embodies that the man the person that we all would like to think we would be in, in, in that position. Um, we'd all like to be hugely successful in business, and I'm sure some of those listening are. And we'd all likely, you know, we'd all like we all like to think that we have the right values in our hearts and that we talk about those values um, and that we espouse those values and that we we give the causes that embody those values. But how many of us would, when at a crossroads, choose almost certain imprisonment? Um, incarceration, lengthy legal battles, and, and, and oppression by one's own government, rather than a life of comfort in another jurisdiction. He could have left Hong Kong, Jimmy Lai, as a British citizen. He holds a British passport. He knew what was coming down the track, and he could have left, and he didn't. He stayed, and he knew what was coming, and he stayed to stand up and be counted because he'd made Hong Kong his home. He'd chosen to live there. Excuse me. He'd chosen to live under those values, and he stayed and fought for them. And um, it's very inspiring. And I think when one considers it in in that way, it's very easy to uh, be inspired to stand up and be counted oneself. And that's that's what we want people to do. We want people to think about that. Think about the values they talk about, um, that they that they, that they profess to espouse, and actually live by them. And be prepared. Um, be prepared to give up other aspects of their lives in order to support them. These are very important values. Thanks, especially for sharing the, the broader context of, of 
everything else, uh, everyone else uh, fighting for for freedom in Hong Kong there. You mentioned the millions of, of protesters taking to the streets in recent years. Jimmy Lai is not the only one in prison under under the national security law, uh, but his prominence, his, his wealth, as you know, he had the resources to leave. As Sebastian said, many prominent Hong Kongers did leave. Um, and, and choosing to stay and choosing to be a prominent figure and to give not just a face as masses of students can in Tiananmen or, or in the Hong Kong protests, um, but the face, the name, the voice of a leading, uh, leading Hong Kong citizen um, has really brought so much attention. We, we at the Reagan Institute, of course, think about parallels to the Reagan administration, to the Cold War. There were so many um, Soviet political prisoners, refuseniks, dissidents who were household names around the world, Natan Sharansky and others who who brought light to the cases of those who were fighting with them, whose names we don't know. And, and so so certainly um, the decisions that he's made, he's made are, are, are incredibly admirable in, admirable in that way. Um, I want to pull on on a couple threads of of um, what Jonathan just went over. Um, Jonathan, talk talk a bit more about the the trial itself. What what should we know about the independence or lack thereof of Hong Kong's judiciary? What's your assessment there? And what role do, do Beijing and sort of the central Chinese Communist Party play in in the trial, or might they play? So the um, the NSL um, has created the National Security Law has created a number of institutions by which it is implemented, um, and uh, as I said previously, the the one country two systems doctrine had um, purported to establish autonomy in Hong Kong uh, by the use of a sort of pseudo democratic device called the, the Legislative uh, Council, uh, which was supposed to be uh, response, a, 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 local, a, lo a locally, um, a, a, a local body in Hong Kong that was supposed to be responsible for legislation that affected Hong Kong. The NSL, however, uh, was imposed directly by Beijing on Hong Kong. It wasn't voted for by the Hong Kong people. And it, it, it set up these institutions, these national security bodies, um, it, it, the National Security Department in particular, which uh, implements it. And the National Security Department is not, it's not accountable democratically to the Hong Kong people. It is accountable to uh, the Chinese government, the CCP. Um, and Another device under the NSL is that NSL cases, cases brought under the NSL, must be tried by judges appointed uh, or at least licensed by uh, by by the National Security Department. And uh, what that means is that um, prosecutions brought under the NSL uh, have a, 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 an inbuilt, a baked-in bias towards uh, carrying out the will of the CCP, um, it, it, they the um, they have recently boasted uh, that in relation to NSL trials, they have a one hundred percent success rate and one hundred percent conviction rate. Uh, the, the prosecutor's office obviously believes this is something to be proud of, but I think anybody who has uh, spent any time in the criminal justice system knows 
that if you have a 100% conviction rate in, in, in any jurisdiction, something's probably going wrong because it's just not right that everybody picked up and prosecuted is guilty. And, and a, a, a properly functioning criminal justice system must be capable of delivering acquittals just in the same way that it must be capable of delivering uh, convictions. So it's, no, it's, it's nothing, nothing to be proud of having a 100% conviction rate. It just proves what we've always said, which is that these hand-picked judges implementing laws imposed by Beijing are simply do, doing the bidding of their uh, political masters by convicting everybody that comes into their courts. So we don't, we don't have any confidence in, in, in the system. Um, and, you know, as, as Sebastian said, this appears to be a show trial um, and is, is as much about seeking to, to uh, keep the screws on the Hong Kong population by by persecuting what, what uh, a, a, one of the you know, a peaceful but nevertheless important voice from amongst its its own ranks. The um, an example worth mentioning uh, that about how the national security law bleeds into uh, the the common law. Uh, is that one of my father's charges that he, that he's finished serving uh, um, now, though he was he wasn't let out on bail, uh, was that he got 13 months, um, and this goes back to what we we're saying in the beginning. He got 13 months for lighting a candle and saying a prayer at a, a Tiananmen Square vigil. Wow, it really it really shows the contrast. Yeah, these mechanisms and and. Um you know, trumped up charges and, and detentions have a very real human cost too. Um, Sebastian, tell us a bit about, you know, what what that's been like. Have you been able to to see your father, to be in contact with him? So uh, um, I, um, so I, I found out my father uh, was, um, yeah, so I, I found out my father was uh, uh, imprisoned. Well, he was taken to the police station the first time. Um, I was actually in quarantine in Taiwan, so I had been there for seven days, and, and, and someone knocked on my door at six in the morning to tell me that Dad was 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 taken, um, and um, he was released. And then in uh, that was in August, and then in December of that year, twenty twenty, he was he was taken in again, uh, and essentially held until now. Um, and so, because of how broad the national security law is, as Jonathan mentioned, um, I, I, I haven't been back. You know, as a result of, uh, for example, just us speaking out right now, mm -hmm. uh, um, you're telling you the story could very well be a, a charge under the national security law. Um, so, unfortunately, I haven't, I haven't seen him in three years. What has that decision been like for you? Um, you know, to speak out, to be an advocate, not just for your father, but but for his, you know, for, for freedom in Hong Kong. Did you did you want to be an activist, or was this a path that you felt like you had no other choice? Um, I mean, I I I, I guess I I um, look. I, I find activists um, around the world incredibly brave um i myself am, am not am not a, i mean I, I don't see myself necessarily um as an activist um it's my it's my dad you know it, it's 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 just it's my dad he's unfairly imprisoned 
And uh, so it's not a it's not, it's not a tough choice for me to speak out. I, I actually um, started speaking out when he got the uh, um, conviction charge for the uh, uh, for the lease violation, mm -hmm. uh, because that showed that the, the the Hong Kong legal system was completely destroyed, and that there was no chance that he was ever going to get a, a semblance of a free trial in Hong Kong. Um, and you know, I obviously I stand by this statement and. Um, my father should not be in jail. It's, 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 it's as simple as that. It's, it's not under the, 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 the Hong Kong laws. My father should not be in jail. And so I am, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll keep speaking out uh, no matter the cost uh, um, until he's out. Mm -hmm. Jonathan mentioned that your father is a British citizen. He holds a UK passport. Um, he's also Catholic. Um, and, uh, there have been many who have said, and I believe you have as well, um, that the UK government, that the Vatican perhaps should be doing more to to call for his his freedom, his release. Why do you think that hasn't happened? Um, I, I think I think the world is waking up to. Um, I think the world is waking up to what China is on an international um, level. Of what's happening to Hong Kong, I think the UK, um, look, the, 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 over the last few months, the UK has spoken out a bit more. Obviously, they're still not using the language. No, they're not. They haven't. I don't think they've called for his release yet or condemned what's happening to him. But they, they, they've they've gone from not speaking about him at all to to to, to at least having the dialogue, which 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 I am. You know, uh, I'm grateful for, but I, I, I definitely think that a case so emblematic of a, of a man's defense of freedom um, should be defended more by a by a nation who who, who professes those freedoms, a nation like the UK. And it's also worth noting that um, when you give a passport to someone, um, you want them to be a good person. You want them to stand for these values. That is a citizen. You want to turn to turn to the world and say, "This is our guy." So I think it's very misguided. The UK's position is that they, they you know, they have to be pragmatic and and, and whatnot. Uh, um, and I, I think I think it's 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 a very short term way of viewing things, because the pragmatic thing for that to do would have just to to to, to counter Beijing. To make as much money as possible, and then go to the UK, and then and then and then that's it. Those are those aren't the those are not. I think you could ask any UK politician that those are not the people that you want. You want someone who stands up for their home, st stays with his people, and and, and through thick and thin. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think the the UK government is waking up to that, and I think um, it, it is it is obviously in their in their benefit to to to, to scream. To the world that this, this this is our guy. This is someone that we're proud of to be to be to to be a UK citizen. Um, regarding the Vatican, um, I look. I, I, I might obviously. I'm, I'm a Catholic. My father's Catholic. Um, he's a very devout Catholic, and I think religion is is really what keeps him so strong. Is the belief of, 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 of right and wrong of of, of a God above. Um, that loves us all. Um, so, I, you know, I think the Holy Sees will also, um, you know, hopefully they'll also you know, wake up to this and, and, and 
and speak on my father's behalf, on Cardinal Nuzan's behalf. Um, but in the end of the day, you know, God's above, it's, and 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 he and he's watching. So I think the the all these will, will will have to <laughs> work up to it. Jonathan, you're an international human rights lawyer. Um, public awareness is such an important part of of uh, the case of of dissidents and calling for the freedom of political prisoners. Um, but from a policy perspective, what more could could foreign governments, whether it's the UK or or the US, be doing for for political prisoners, whether it's Jimmy Lai, others in Hong Kong or around the world? Well, the main uh, the main focus, I think, in policy is accountability, and that that means visibility, and it means speaking his name in 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 relations with with China and Hong Kong. It means not normalizing the uh, activities that are happening in Hong Kong, instigated by the Chinese government. It means calling out um, the the just dreadful repression of not just Jimmy Lai, but all those that have sought peaceful change in Hong Kong. And, you know, we're beginning to see that, but it's happened very quickly, Rachel. Three or four years ago, this was almost unimaginable. Um, Hong Kong was still a thriving, bustling, money-making metropolis full of people with, by regional standards, a relatively high degree of freedom um, and great optimism about the future, able to buy a copy of Sebastian Stad's newspaper on every street corner. And here we are four years later, the beginning of this year, they sold off the very printing presses that had enabled that in the fire sale because they dissolved his company um, under spurious uh, national security, uh, for spurious national security reasons. So the, the world is, uh, Sebastian, as Sebastian said, is waking up to this. Um, but uh, it, you know, governments are a little bit slow to react, um, but that we are seeing that it's happening. So, as I said, we, we we mustn't let them get away with it. We must make sure there is a huge political cost to this activity. And for, for sort of global political reasons, it's important that we try to support uh, Hong Kong as it was, because it was it was vital. It was a beacon of free trade, free expression. Um, and free enterprise in, in the region. And without that, the region itself will go dark. We always end our podcasts on an optimistic note. We're named after President Reagan, so we know no other way. But before we get to our lightning round, uh, let me ask you, Sebastian, what are your hopes and aspirations for Hong Kong's future? I, I think the uh, government of Hong Kong um, and the government of China um, will at some point realize that they, they've got to be a man and woman of their words. They can't tell the world that they still have all these freedoms, freedom of press, freedom of speech, rule of law, and, and, and basically put these freedoms on a show drum. Persecute my father, 1,500 political prisoners, are, are, are in Hong Kong's jail at the moment. They, they can't, uh, uh, um, so in, in 2021, after my father was uh, arrested, uh, they raided Apple Daily's offices. Mm. Apple Daily was the biggest newspaper in Hong Kong. Um, and they sent 500 policemen into the offices, ripped computers uh, um, away, uh, stopped all the journalists from, from, from working, and eventually closed it down. That is, that is not a place that has freedom of, freedom of press or freedom of speech. It's 
it's in their best interest and, and in the interest of the world to be honest that hong kong goes back to this to this place where uh, uh, um, these different ideals can coexist and be tested so that's that is what i hope for hong kong's future i know i know time doesn't go back but it's it's that would that would be what the the thing to do would be mm. and, and obviously to release my father right well, we end each episode by asking our guests for a favorite book about President Reagan, favorite quote from President Reagan, or favorite speech. Do you all have anything to share? You can do three, two, or just one. So um, I, uh, uh, obviously, he was, he, was, he was a very folksy, funny man. Um, uh, one of the quotes that I really liked was uh, when um, he was asked whether he'd be a good governor or not. Mm-hmm. And, and he replied, I don't know, I've never played a governor before. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've got another one, and, and I, I, it's quite long, so do you mind if I pull that one? Please. I, wanna, I would not like to, to, to butcher his eloquent words. It's, um, and tonight we declare anew to our fellow citizens of the world, freedom is not the sole prerogative of a chosen few. It is the universal right of all God's children. Look to where peace and prosperity flourishes today. It is in homes that freedom built. Victory against poverty are greatest and peace most secure where people live by laws and ensure free press, free speech, and freedom to worship. Vote and create wealth. And, you know, after all these years, it, it, it holds true. It holds true indeed. I believe that quote might be from President Reagan's speech to the British Parliament at Westminster. Um, so Jonathan speaking to to your heritage there as well. Well, I, I, and I, I should say that I'm, um, unlike Sebastian, uh, old enough just to remember um, President Reagan's two terms in office. Um, but I was very young. And uh, I'll be honest, my interest then was less in policy, uh, and I wasn't even a human rights lawyer, so the inception of the Reagan doctrine, I have to say, rather passed me by. But uh, I do remember him dancing with my prime minister, uh, and I remember being absolutely fascinated that a cowboy could become president. Well, a wonderful note to end on, not only aspirational words, but the human element from his humor to uh, to those lighter moments as president as well. Jonathan Price, Sebastian Lai, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you to you all for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Reaganism. New episodes premiere weekly every Monday on YouTube and all podcast streaming platforms. If you like this episode, be sure to let us know and share with a friend.